This is Creek Talk, brought to you by Kenny Creek Apostolic Tabernacle. Talk about faith, family, and Christian living. Every week we post Bible studies from Brother Ray Copeland and Christian Life episodes every other week, or maybe a little bit more. I'm your host, Michael Flores, and today we're talking with Brother Pastor Joshua Cathy about pastoring through a pandemic. Yes, sir. We've been pastoring here now probably 16, 17 years on staff here at the church. Uh, Been a great little journey. We've enjoyed getting to know everybody, letting everybody get to know us over the years. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. And uh, we're we're excited. Yeah, this last year's been uh, been an interesting year to say the least. Twenty twenty, moving out of it. Right now, we can look back a little bit more, and we're a little more comfortable with everything. But we were in the middle of everything. There were some uh, unique challenges uh, as a church and yourself went through. I can imagine. So, looking back on twenty twenty through pandemic, through everything that we've seen through right now, when did you realize things were starting to get kind of serious with twenty twenty and the coronavirus? When it all started. We were in Disney World. We're like in the Disney bubble. Like, we're just sheltered there. And then, like, three days before the trip was over, we noticed them starting to bring out, like, hand sanitizing stations. And we're finally on the bus the last day we were there. And I hear a guy behind me say, oh, my word, they just canceled the NBA season. We're like, what? Why are they canceling things? What's going on? We realize that when you get home, there's no toilet paper. There's no water. Grocery stores are closed. We have no clue what we're driving into. All the way home, we're seeing stuff shut down left and right. We're like, stores aren't open. We get home and realize, hey, we're going to have to cancel church. You know, we think, I don't know for how long, maybe a day, one Sunday we'll cancel, and then we'll pick everything back up like it's a normal flu. So it took a little while for us to realize this is extremely serious because we were so far away. We're, <laughs> we're halfway across the country. And so it, it became very interesting as we got there and started to see the way things were unfolding. Yeah, you have a unique perspective being kind of isolated a little bit and coming back into it like in, right in the beginning of that. So that, that is uh, that is kind of interesting. And you mentioned coming back into it, you didn't really know how to respond. So your gut reaction, what, was you, what were you thinking for the church? Cancel one Sunday. I'm speaking to, to Brother Clark. For those of you who don't know, uh, he's the longtime pastor here at the church, like 37 years he's been here. And he's a bishop, an overseer of the church. And so I'm talking to him, and he's like, I don't know what we need to do, but we got to do something. I said, well, let's cancel this Sunday. We'll get a crew in there. We'll sanitize everything, and then we'll come back Wednesday or Sunday, and we'll get ready to go back to church like normal. Uh, That was a pipe dream, of course, (laughs) obviously. It almost (laughs) sounds silly even talking about that uh, based on what we ended up actually doing. But that was the initial response. One Sunday, and we'll be back. So, so your gut reaction that was that. So let, let's move forward a couple weeks in, say maybe a month in. We kind of figured out what we were doing now. We figured out it's, it's this is a serious thing. We're not going to be able to, you know, sanitize our way out of this necessarily. So once you kind of figured that out, what was your reaction from there? What was your moving forward into the, the heart of the pandemic? So what we did, we literally shut the place down, locked the doors. Uh, we had like eight people in the room. We all social distance. We had like eight people here. Uh, we're preaching to a camera, uh, which luckily we already had a camera because we've been doing Facebook Live now for probably seven years or so, mm-hmm. roughly. So we didn't have any adjustment there. We just upgraded our quality. But we went Facebook Live, shut down everything, just had music, and just had regular church here with like eight people in the entire building. You know, sound men, camera guys, the whole nine. We only had eight, eight or so people in the whole building. And we did that, it seemed like forever. I guess it was probably really only like two months, but it felt like eight. 
I re, uh, I remember those times. That was a it was a unique church service at least. Going to church on the couch isn't quite the same there. Um, I remember our Easter service. Can you tell me a little about the Easter service that we had? Drive-in, drive-in service. So we we opened it up. Parking lots full. We had uh, luckily we had several police officers going to the church at the time, so they kind of taught me how to get traffic flow in and out in a in a you know positive counterproductive way or non counterproductive way, yeah. and so we were able to step in there. Uh, I did not like preaching to windshields. I honestly <laughs> would rather have preached in an empty sanctuary with only a camera than I had to preach to. Uh, the cars and so they're they're honking the horns they're flashing the lights they're doing their wind, windshield wipers i'm like what in, what does that mean <laughs> are you getting up and walking out but it really was fun we really had a good time we ended up doing communion uh, which was my first communion to give as the lead pastor of the church mm-hmm. uh, and we did that in a pandemic so i thought that was kind of a unique situation but we did the uh, the prepackaged uh, communion, mm-hmm. and I felt like everybody really enjoyed, at, at minimum, getting to wave at each other through the windshields and and kind of seeing each other that way. And then we had everybody drive out when they exited the the parking lot. They exited, and we were able to wave at each individual family as they left. And I thought that was about halfway through it. We're we're crying, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they've all moved on, you know, and we're we're sitting there bawling because, you know, we're just seeing every single person that goes to our church and we're crying through it all. And so we had our staff there, youth leader, my assistant, uh, Ray Copeland, and then we had myself and my wife. And we're just we it was it was bittersweet and it was interesting. And I don't like driving church. <laughs> I, uh, I remember that very distinctively, too, because I remember everybody it was we were about two, three months into this, and you hadn't seen anybody for a long time. And suddenly seeing people through a windshield in a car, it was a weird sense of almost like relief seeing people again for the first time. It was um, it was interesting. But I know with that, we, we shut the church down for a while. We did all that stuff. So I, I know this is going to be a little bit of a tough question for you, but what were the pushbacks you got? Because I know not everybody was on board with that. No. <laughs> we had people that actually... I don't know if I should say this on a podcast or not, but there were people who actually, uh, they basically told me, if you shut down church, we're not coming back. Mm, wow. And up to this point, they they were good to their word. They have not come back. Uh, there were people who said, if you don't shut down church, we're not going to come <laughs> back. And of course, we had to shut down church. There yeah. was no other option. I mean, uh, you know, when... when when things did open back up, we 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 went months and months and months without having anything, and then we went back to having split services. And during one of those split services, we had what maybe eleven, twelve people that mm-hmm. ended up catching COVID. And so you think to yourself, I mean, what if you hadn't shut down? What kind of outbreak would you have had? How mm-hmm. many people would have passed away before their time? And so you had to shut it down. But there were there was kickback. There yeah. were people who didn't want the mask to be done. There were people who didn't want us to set up hand sanitizing stations. They could come to, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? You know, but yeah. but by and large, I would say nine out of 10 people were thankful for our response. So looking back now on this, since like I said, we're coming out of it a little bit right now. I'm looking back on it now. Do you feel like you had the, the, the a good response to the situation or do you feel like you would have changed something a little bit looking back now? I like to think I responded well. Mm-hmm. I like to think that we... We erred on the side of caution, but I suppose if I had it to do over again, uh, I probably would have 
swallowed the frog, so to speak, mm-hmm. and did more drive-in services for people mm. because the church liked it a lot more than I did. <laughs> but th- they also didn't have to preach to windshields. Yeah, and fair. so if I had it to do over again, I would have done more drive-in church probably. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And yeah, I can't imagine preaching to wind- windshields and then having cars flying by on the side out there and everything else in between. That's a, that's a challenge to say the least there. Um, now, I, we talked about the negatives there. Were there any kind of positives that came out of it when you kind of announced what was going on? You know, we had people that we would have never had an opportunity to talk to and preach to had there not been a pandemic. Hmm. So we saw people that, I mean, me personally, I could go online on a Sunday and watch four or five different church services. Hmm. So I was exposed to a lot of different ministry and preaching. Uh, got to see, you know, the way other people are, are responding to this terrible time in all of our lives. Not only were we able to do that, but we had people that were looking into our church from far away and being impacted and touched. We had families that started watching on Facebook Live during the pandemic that are faithful members of our church right now hmm. uh, that they hardly ever miss a service. Their kids are involved, they're involved, and they were previously not in church at all. Mm-hmm. And so the pandemic brought them to us. And I think uh, that is a that is a positive. I mean, I hate that the world had to go through that, but you know, there were so many good things that came from it, so many different healings and so many uh, so many people telling us that they were impacted by a song that was sang or a prayer that was prayed or a sermon that was preached. Mm-hmm. And we tried to keep everything at an hour, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing, the music, the sermon. I even had a rigid clock set. Mm-hmm. So we didn't make sure that, you know, we didn't want to take people's time away. Mm-hmm. And you can only hold, a, hold them on a couch so long. <coughs> no, <Sorry>. that's uh, – <laughs> you're good. Cough away. <laughs> Um, no, I, I can imagine. I know seeing the church now versus what it was. We're having a lot of people come in, people watching on Facebook. We have a good Facebook Live group that's now pretty active on there. And I mean, everywhere else that this goes to. So that that is a unique thing that I think a lot of churches now are seeing the, the live streaming is now kind of a normal thing. Like it's not even a, oh, we're, we're now live streaming. Now it's, yeah, we're live streaming. Like we always live stream. So Coming out of that, what were so most churches now are open back to normal. Everybody's kind of running, you know, full full speed ahead. What are some of the things that were still that you kept implemented that we may have started back then that are still going now? The very first Sunday that we went live, we did a 10 a.m. and a 6 p.m. Our church normally started at 6:30 in the evening time. We bumped that back 30 minutes. That was something I said we're going to do that moving forward we're not going to change that because it gets kid you know that was something that we implemented during that and i was like we can't change that Mm -hmm. we're going to leave that the way it is (coughs) and then we uh hand sanitizing stations everywhere we have them all over the building i don't think that should go anywhere i mean the flu hits every year no matter what you do so i didn't think we could we should change that at all um we had the uh the hand sanitizers, the the service time that we changed, and then we 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 implemented some things with Sunday school mm-hmm. that our Sunday school director had always wanted to do, uh, some check ins and some health checks when you come into the building, uh, temperature checks. She's been asking for that for years, <laughs> and the pandemic just kind of opened the door for that to be something that people didn't think weirdly about. And uh, and honestly, I th- I think that people in general got a better sense of protecting one another. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you would come to church if you had the flu 
and say you were being faithful. Yeah. And really, you were just being irresponsible. <laughs> and so now I think we have a better opportunity to know that, you know, our health can affect other people's health too. And so you, you kind of protect one another and you protect our elderly people. And, mm-hmm. and if you have to stay home, you know, we're going to miss you, but we do have a Facebook live. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's, uh, it's funny you mention that because thinking about it right now, <laughs> someone taking my temperature to like walk into a building, not even a second thought right now. But you think of that a year and a half, two years ago, somebody wanted to take your temperature to walk in. You look at them like they're crazy. Like that wouldn't even be a normal thing. Now you're like, oh, you're not taking my temperature? No. <laughs> okay. I guess, I guess we're just playing loose here. All right. That's fine. <laughs> So, so without naming names, without pointing fingers, nothing like that, how do you feel the Christian church as a whole responded to the pandemic? I know there was a lot of different responses and a, a lot of unique pushback that I know we face as long as everybody else. So how do you feel we, we did as a whole? Thank God we're not saying names. <laughs> we won't say names. Uh, but I feel like by and large – the church itself was extremely responsible. Mm. I, I think there were a few outliers, um, you know, that I, I, I probably wouldn't have did it the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that every pastor is responsible for their their own church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get that. You understand that. And if they did it differently than we did, you know, that's fine. Uh, but I feel like, by and large, the church itself was extremely responsible. Okay. I feel like the United Pentecostal Church in general mm-hmm. is still being extremely responsible uh, with our response to COVID. There are things that are canceled, things that were canceled. Man, it was it was disappointing to see youth camps canceled. Oh, yeah. But it had to happen. It's disappointing to see General Conference canceled, but it mm-hmm. had to happen. Yeah. And so I feel like, by and large, the church itself did, uh, did, did what they had to do. Mm-hmm. I, I attended a funeral, and this is since we've opened things up, you know. Yeah. And so I see this church, we go to this funeral, and this church was like, it seat probably 3,000 people. Hmm. They only allowed 150 people to attend. Hmm. Wow. And every person that touched the microphone, they had a person not in a hazmat suit, but it was closed. Hmm. He had like gloves on up to his elbows hmm. and mask on and a hairnet. And he walks up and sanitizes the microphone after each person speaks. Hmm. And so you see this church and you're like, wow, did we do enough? Yeah. <laughs> or are they doing too much? Hmm. I don't know. But we... Uh, we we see that, and so, I, but I do feel like, by and large, the church itself responded positively, and they adapted mm-hmm. because I believe the church will always adapt. Yeah, I mean, you see churches in China that they, you know, in different countries where they're not allowed to worship like we are, they go underground mm-hmm. and they still make church happen. Yeah, and so America, we're we're a little spoiled by the great freedoms that we have, and we're thankful for them. But every now and then, you get a little bit of something like this where you have to do church differently. And just because you do church differently doesn't mean you're not doing church. Mm-hmm. We were doing church. Yeah, We had moves of God. We had people touched and people were, were moved on by the Spirit, but it just had to be done in a different way. Yeah, no, that's... Um... Yeah, I understand what you mean completely. And looking back now from my perspective, you know, it says, say, in the church, I think the response was, was pretty good. You know, we had a lot of people, a lot of mixed responses. But looking back now, you know, things probably we could have done differently. But looking back now, I think I think we had a pretty solid response. So let me ask you, were, were you personally affected or do you have anyone close to you that was affected by COVID? I did get COVID. I got a mild case mm. of COVID. I got a mild case of COVID. 
Uh, my dad, dad had COVID. Mm. Uh, he got a very good case of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was very very sick, and uh, I almost didn't make it. Mm. Uh, you know, for us, for for me personally, I had it. My dad had it. Uh, my wife and children never got it. Thankfully, I don't know how they dodged that bullet. Yeah. I'm just thankful that they did. Uh, my mother caught it. My dad caught it. My brother caught it several times. Mm. He's a jailer. Mm-hmm. Work works down at at, at the jail. So he, he was in contact with all sorts of different people, and he had to be throughout the entire pandemic. Um, my hat's off to the guy, uh, but he ended up catching it two or three times. Oof. And so you felt kind of bad for him, you know, obviously. But uh, by and large, you know, we, we came through pretty unscathed. So looking forward, let's say 2030, we're, we're looking forward, theoretically. We got, a, we got another outbreak coming on. Um, how do you think we would handle future outbreaks? How do you think the church would respond now, knowing what we know now? How do you think they would respond? What we were doing initially, whenever we hear this, like I said at the very beginning, we're shaky. We said, hey, we're going to do one service. Mm-hmm. We're going to cancel one Sunday, mm-hmm. one Wednesday. We're going to sanitize, and everything will go back to normal. I think what you'll see if there is another outbreak in our future, what you will see is people moving with tremendous speed, and steady hands. Mm. You're going to see people, okay, we've done this before. We know. Okay, we'll come back in stages. We're going to do uh, what we have to do. But we are, um, I feel like we'll move much more decisively. Uh, because we were all just, I mean, nobody knows if your response to it is right or not because we hadn't dealt with it in over 100 mm. years. Yeah. And so here we are. And we didn't have technology 100 years ago that we have today. So we were able to move just uh, so shaky mm-hmm. moving forward. We didn't know if we were doing the right thing, if we were doing the wrong thing, if we should cancel, should we not cancel. Uh, and I think if it happens again, we're going to move with decisiveness mm-hmm. and a very steady hand. And I feel like I hope we don't ever have to do it again. But if we do, I, I think we're going to do so with a little bit of extra knowledge. Yeah. Now, that's a, that's a good point, too. Looking back now, we um – we didn't have the technology like this. There was outbreaks before, but there was no way, like, you didn't know until someone got sick kind of thing, and you didn't know how to track it properly either. So nowadays, I think moving forward, it will be a little more decisive action because you're not wrong. I think everybody was like, how, what are you doing? Well, what am I doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it was back and forth. Are you wearing gloves at church? No, I'm not wearing gloves. Well, should I be wearing gloves? It was, it was all over the place, or masks and sanitizing. So that's a good point. I think moving forward, people, and now we have this historical data of, like, what worked and what didn't work. Um, so I, I remember going through the pandemic, going through the midst of it about three, four months in a conversation started happening that wasn't happening at the beginning. And a lot of it was around mental health. People were closed in for long periods of time. People were working from home. People just, they were shut in. Um, how do you, how do you see the mental health of the church kind of be affected through the pandemic? The, <clears throat> we saw people very lonely. Uh, we actually had elderly people that are stuck in nursing homes. Nursing homes are not open still. Mm -hmm. And so we have people that have been in nursing homes for over a year and haven't had anybody really able to come in and visit. They definitely haven't had a pastoral visit. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, you you know those people are struggling mentally, uh, you know, with feelings of abandonment and wondering where my people are and people who love me are mm-hmm. not here. I, you know, I went to that church for 50 years and now I, I'm here and nobody has come to see me. Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're stuck wondering how they're doing. For the people that were stuck in their houses for three or four months, we saw people, uh, they figured out 
a way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they figured out a way to see one another. Uh, we had people who didn't want to pay their tithes, so they'd like drop them off at the house, mm, at, at our house, you know, to give their <laughs> offerings or whatever, and we could turn them in later. But they would, they would say, hey, we just want to leave it on the step. Mm. And so we stand out there and we wave at them or whatever. And they, and so you saw people just kind of adapting and finding a way to communicate, but at a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw people just, just coming into the church. We had people just drive underneath the, the church portico shape mm-hmm. right before a Wednesday night service at 730. You'd see them come driving under just to wave. And so I think people were figuring out a way to communicate without actually being yeah. in the room with somebody. Uh, I feel like, by and large, our church, um, and I encouraged everybody, if you were to ever go back and listen to our stuff from that, I was encouraging our church to call each other. I was encouraging them to text one another. Um you know, encouraging them to communicate, FaceTime, do whatever you can do. Get on a Zoom call. Our youth group, they're constantly on Zoom calls back mm-hmm. and forth. And I, I think a lot of times if the church doesn't lead them in that direction, they may or may not go to it. So I felt like at that time, hey, we've got to keep these people together. We've got to get them talking to each other. We've got to get them calling. We've got to get them texting, uh, whatever we can do. There comes a point as a pastor where you feel like you're bothering people, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't been to church in four months, you know? Mm. I know you're going to call, but there comes this point where they're like, okay, I'm going to get my daily phone call or I'm going to get my weekly phone call. Yeah. And so it kind of becomes like you don't want to bother people, but you also want to let people know you're you're missed, you're loved, you're cared about. So there's like a perfect balance there. But. Yeah. Now, I, I remember that uniquely, too. I remember having to see family members and seeing you know new nephews coming in through a FaceTime call, not being able to go to the hospital, not being able to do stuff like that. So it was uh, it was draining. And I know on myself, I was able to get out a little bit just through work and stuff like that. I didn't get the opportunity to work from home. So I know other people working from home, church from home, groceries delivered, they get everything going on like that. You get really isolated. So I do remember, I still distinctly remember that Easter service and being I'm like, oh, we're going to be stuck in our car, listening to everything and almost getting teary eyed, just seeing people. And I was like, this is all, I remember then they used to sit two pews up for me. Yes. <laughs> it was a, it was a unique experience to say the least. So before we wrap up here, I want to ask you that one last question. We hit on it a little bit um, early in the podcast here. But what were some of the the positive things that kind of surprised you, things that surprised you the most through this pandemic and coming out of it? Yes. I think the most surprising, and you're going to think, man, he has no faith. <laughs> and, and I hope that isn't true. But we had people that would call, since this is over now, mm-hmm. and people say, hey, I was watching one of the services. They'll tell you what it was. And I got the Holy Ghost watching. Hmm. Wow. People that had been gone from God for years, decades, and they would call and say, hey, during the during the live feed, you had prayer at the end. I lifted my hands and I was refilled with the Holy Ghost or I got a new experience in God. We had people that were literally healed while the services wow. were going on. We're in the building. They're on their couch and they're getting healed. Yeah. And we were like, this is unbelievable this is this is the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life you know this shouldn't be happening yeah and and but it is true that god can move no matter where we are uh we like to think he can't move if we're not in the building Mm -hmm. but honestly that isn't true god doesn't need the building uh he needs people that are that have faith and are willing to operate in that faith Mm -hmm. so we, we saw that we saw people uh new families Hey, they, they started watching together as families, couples that were getting divorced, start sitting on their couch together 
Hmm. And their marriages are being restored during live feed. They're like, you know, we were we were on the verge of divorce. We start watching you guys in your church. Now we're stronger than we've ever been. And you can yeah. see, you know, their families are coming. They're they're here. They're here every service. And your your brain, you would never even think for one moment that they ever had a problem. Yeah. And here they are. And I I really don't know that that would have happened had they not encountered a live feed church service. Mm. Was it, did it have to be ours? Probably not, but they needed something that had a genuine move of God. Mm. And I, I'm thankful that they were able to through our church. And uh, I was very proud of that and honestly amazed by it, blown away. No, that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. We had some unique, unique experiences for sure throughout this whole pandemic, the live streams, everything that happened through that. Well, thank you, Pastor Kathy, for being on the podcast and sharing your unique thoughts. So this next week, we're going to have Sister Kathy on the podcast talking about health and fitness and modesty and uh, the Christian life here. So you can find Brother uh, Joshua Kathy here on at Kenny Creek Apostolic Tabernacle, uh, preaching every Sunday and Wednesday. Also, if you find him on Instagram underneath Running Rev, that's running underscore rev. Um, you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Kenny Creek Apostolic Tabernacle. And like we said earlier in the podcast, tune in every Monday for a live broadcast on Facebook from Brother Ray Copeland, where he talks about Bible studies. I think it's last week he did talk about Colossians. Now, if you can't make it on Monday, we'll be posting those audio on Tuesdays on um, our live. On, you can find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere that podcasts really are. Um, now, if you can, tune in Mondays, though, for those live broadcasts, because Brother Ray always puts up maps and graphics, things that kind of go along with that, give you a really good understanding of what's happening. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time.